Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for tuning in to Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. Tonight's show, as usual, is brought to you with, along with the Whistleblower Summit uh, and uh, Marcel Reed. Marcel Reed Freeman, uh, who is uh, one of the two founders of the Whistleblowers. Now, that will actually be virtual once again this year, calling it a little bit too careful, if you (laughs) ask me, but it is in Washington, D.C., so what else would you expect? But just because it's in Washington, D.C., and it's out of Washington, D.C., does not diminish the importance, the value and what this, uh, what this group, what this summit, and people work year-round within the summit. Don't get me wrong. They are there year-round working. It just so happens that the summit is held once a year in D.C., usually. Um, and it, it, it surrounds itself around Whistleblowers Day. So um, without taking up too much time, I would just like to say, please, if you haven't already, just Google it up. Duck, duck, go it up. Do whatever you need to do uh, to learn about the Whistleblower Summit, how you can be a part. If you're interested in learning how you can be more impactful with with affecting change, with making what's wrong right, uh, whether it be from one case that sets a precedent or, uh, or if you're one of uh, many, many others that have learned through seeking out justice, they have incredible speakers there, such as Marty Oakley, has an, and she annually has a panel there, and it's on guardianship abuse. When it is physical, standing room only, hello, she has earned herself a spot, yes? Yes, somebody's making a tremendous racket there in the background, and we're picking up every bit of it. Okay, so we need to, all right, so, yeah, so whatever we're doing when we're on air, if we can just be a little bit careful with too much shuffling of papers or or even setting down your coffee or your wine cup or glass very quietly, um, you know, whatever it is, pencils and, and your files and files that, that it takes to um, work through a case as you're uh, looking for justice, and that's the case tonight. Uh, but before I introduce Kathy Campbell and um, and the guests that she's bringing on that have stood by her, um, fellow advocates um, for for throughout these years, people involved, people that didn't even know about 
know the family until they heard about the case. Um, you know, I've got a couple other things that I want to share with you. Do a little bit of housekeeping, okay? Um, so I, I lost my train of thought, but yes, Whistleblower Summit, okay, Marty Oakley. Don't forget to look this stuff up. There's tons of information just on the website itself, okay? Just take a look. See if it's something that interests you. Normally when you attend, it's free. It's, it's several days long. It's free. The only thing you need to worry about is finding a place to stay. And we've had some fun, uh, a bunch of us, haven't we, Marty? You know, um, jumping around, having, uh, having pillow fights and making fun of each other's funny noises and funny looks uh, when we were there together sharing a room with several people. Uh, but uh, it truly is a very important um, forum, okay, to, uh, with many, many different resources. Okay, so let's not forget about that. Please also check out Marty Oakley's page, ppjg.me, ppjg.me, so that you can either, you know, you can tickle the, the, uh, your calendar so that you are reminded of all the shows that are up and coming, or if you just kind of like me, you can just tickle me, or you can leave behind and you can tickle somebody else. You just, you need to see what you're missing or what you might be missing. I know we have a lot of regular followers here and some very regular contributors, contributors that I'm ever so grateful for. Thank you. That means we're doing our job. And not only does that mean that we are sharing important things with you that you might not otherwise know or that you know about because of really rotten circumstances. We're also... We also bring to you, share with you what's going right, what is going right, okay? And that's when we need to not just fruitlessly keep, you know, just scream and yell. We need to be fruitful and make change. And, you know, so we've been pretty fortunate, you know, I I wish I had a magic wand, but, you know, throughout this show, you have seen some matters that were so, so wrong become right. And it's because of Stephen Burke getting on the horn and, and, and airing his show against the, the, uh, the, the liking of uh, the minister who, who said that they were going to disengage from the Christian radio station. And he stood up. He stood up to them. And because of that, he is barreling right through and sharing the truth, too, in Oklahoma to those that are close to the radio station. Marty's is national, uh, but Oklahoma, the surrounding areas, and also on Saturday afternoons, Saturday afternoons, tune in to 89.9 KLRB, Lighthouse Christian Radio, if you're in the Oklahoma and surrounding areas, because you're not going to want to miss the things that Stephen Burke talks about. Institutionality. He it, it just... He might not be say some popular things, but they're popular enough to grab the attention of thousands of people, and that's what we need. We need people that are willing to civilly, fruitfully stand up, do the right thing, even if it doesn't impact you directly. We need to look at, each, at ourselves in the mirror every single day. 
and not to put, put too much on yourself because you need to breathe, laugh, enjoy, and all that stuff. But what did I do today? This place a better world. A lot of people wind up here, not by accident, not because, oh, you know, let me close my eyes and, and you know, can I tell the donkey and see where it lands? Oh, yes, wrongful conviction. Right, that's what we're talking about. It's because of something that brought them here. Uh, just a little bit more, and then we'll bring Kathy Campbell on. Uh, just uh, Again, I'm Tanya Hathaway. I'm not sure if I said that, but I will say that again. The last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of great shows. We've changed it up, and uh, as we'll continue to from time to time, uh, we talked about the truths and the non-truths of mainstream media and so-called investigative journalists. Some genuinely are. Okay, some genuinely are, just like there are really a ton of really good police officers. There's a ton of good judges. There's a ton of good uh, public defenders, uh, uh, district attorneys. People know, I've said this many times, my brother's almost on 40 years as a district attorney, and he's not there because he's corrupt and doing bad things, and he's part of a good old boys club. He's unpopular sometimes, but he runs a pose because there's no need for change there. He has created the change. We want more of that, and there are more people. There are others that are doing that, but we need more. And we bring to light what's going wrong and what needs to go right, where public policy is wrong, bad. It's against the standards of our Constitution and our Bill of Rights process, which trumps anything that is written in a state statute. Remember that, okay? Remember that. That's what you rely on. That's what you rely on, first and foremost. Oh, goodness. So where was I? Okay, some genuinely are, once again, I said. Um, but it's mainstream that has proven itself in this era over and again, over and again. The need to look into other sources, not just what those in positions of, of the public eye say, and not even just us the alternative media, much more tried and true. You know, you know uh, some, some of the alternative media, as Marty refers to it, uh, is also immersed with, oh, go ahead, say it, Marty, Glory Hogs, let's hear that thing. Are you there? Glory Hogs. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you glory <laughs> Where's your little thing? Where's that <laughs> yeah. thing I've heard recently? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Glory Hog. <laughs> I, I've heard you do that a few times listening to a couple of the other shows. I'm like, you go, Marty. Because we have both been assaulted by Glory Hogs, haven't we? But we're not playing victim. Instead, we're making light of it, and we're going on our way and uh, and uh, putting the attention where it belongs, Okay. So, so uh, we've talked about we talked about conspiracy theories in the last couple of weeks that were found out to be true, even but that was after the heckling and the purposeful discrediting where it did not belong uh, to form the minds and and results of the public opinion because public officials have a great deal of pressure once public opinion is applied. Unfortunately, that is a breeding ground for falsities. I'll be nice. Falsities. And this is why 
we need to impress upon ourselves and others that you don't just listen to what we have to say. Kind of do your own work too, okay? Everybody I have on here is so well vetted, and I've been yet to be proven wrong. I'm up for the challenge, and I want a challenge if there needs to be something corrected, and it always will be, okay? Or clarification needs to be made. So as I and we continue to provide the information, documentation, and more, again, once again, let's be sure that before you make a definitive decision um, that uh, you do your own work because we cannot let the public opinion put innocent people in prison. We cannot let innocent people be put to death. Yes, put to death. We cannot let innocent people and their families' lives to be destroyed for years and possibly forever until death because a narrative has been met to correct something quickly in the public eye and simmer everybody down. And especially this happens, this happens during mostly, or not mostly, but even more so when it's voting time, right? When it's time to vote uh, for the district attorney, for, you know, judges. You know, we need to remember this. You have to not go around distrusting everybody in this world. Certainly not that, but you don't automatically trust it. We need to use our own minds and form our own opinions based on what you diligently learn if it's something that can make a difference in somebody's life, death, freedom, or not. Okay? Julius Jones. Julius Jones has been on death row for decades. Now he's finally, finally, finally found the support of some strong advocates and made it through the first phase, the first steps to freedom. Richard Glossop is another one. There is enough compelling evidence in many many cases that lead to other perpetrators and that show, actually, you know how it's supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt? Somehow it's made a reasonable doubt when it's in front of a jury because exculpatory evidence or otherwise has been withheld. So the jury usually is not to blame for bad findings. It is the prosecutor. It is the investigator. It is... Sometimes it's the judge. There's a lot of good ones out there. Remember that. But let's not blame the jury, okay? Let's blame the denial of due process. And there's also, as we will talk about, bad policy that is in conflict with the Constitution and your Bill of Rights, our Bill of Rights, that makes it practically impossible for a fair trial in many cases. Okay? Oklahoma is riddled with problems. There are still good people out there. They have two phenomenal attorneys that I never thought would actually exist in Oklahoma because Lord knows I made hundreds of phone calls but that are taking cases that are certainly worth it. And there's many more. 
Uh, I'd like to say hi to my mom in New Hampshire because she often listens. Hi, Mom. Love you. Okay, so we'll put the past behind us with things that we can't change, but there's a reason why some things in the past need to come up. It's to show the patterns. It's to unite, and it's to make a change. We have a problem with qualified immunity. We'll talk more about that. One more piece of homework that I'm uh, bringing to you uh, to your attention is I will share this information on my uh, on my pages on Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed, as well as on uh, Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. Um, playing whack-a-mole right now. You know, unfortunately, uh, one of my pages was um, hacked a couple of years ago. Then I started the Journeys to Justice page. Well, for the past week, somebody else has taken control of it. I can only share. So uh, Facebook is looking into it. Happens to be a nonprofit, so we're talking about felony hacking. So um, it's uh, egregious, and maybe it's because we're doing a good job, Marty. I know it happens to you, but right now I don't have control of Journey to Justice. So uh, you can continue to look on Tanya Talks, views, news, and interviews as that's building up, and as well if you're in Oklahoma, you know, strictly Oklahoma stuff on injustice in Oklahoma exposed. Oh, Kathy Campbell. Kathy Campbell, how you doing? Hi there. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. And I have my daughter here uh, with me. That would be Dakota Engage's mother. And so we're we're both here. Okay. So now um, this is a case that, well, actually, you know, you were on the show a couple of times in 2019. This is not one of the shows one of the matters that made it to fruition uh, through, you know, my direct involvement and engagement. This is grandma. Grandma is the mother bear (laughs) and others who have fought long and hard for these two young men wrongfully convicted to find freedom and for hopefully the person who actually is responsible for the death of one and debilitating injury to another is brought to justice. Yeah. Uh, so can you yeah. briefly share, uh, because I also shared in the, uh, in the promotion as well, and people, you know, please know that you can always look up the past shows, uh, you know, on these other pages that I've shared with you, but, uh, but also on this promotion, there's two links to those two last shows that you were on. Um, but can you share for anybody new uh, in our audience? Sure. Uh, Sure. You know, what the case is about. Yes. There was a <clears throat> pedestrian uh, hit and run in Vertigris in uh, June, it was actually June 4th of 2015. And um, so just just to, uh, I guess, let you know that Dakota and Gage had, uh, I'll try to make this brief, but they had uh, driven to Quick Trip that night about three like a quick stop 3 30 in right? the morning like or a, so. a, a convenience store they tra- 
Yes. They travel down Gordon Road. Gordon Road is a highly traveled cutoff road that goes from, like, people that are going to the casino or going to work at American Airlines or going to Quick Trip, Quick Trip's like, you know, the uh, convenience store that's open 24 hours. Everybody goes there to get gas and all that. So um, so it's a very busy road. And they had gone down this Gordon Road to Quick Trip, gone and got some snacks and food. Um, and there's a video on our page that shows them inside the store. Uh, rumors were they were getting, you know, beer and this and that, but they weren't at that point. Um, and then they leave, and as they're leaving, they actually get into an argument um, over the stereo system. And they get into an argument, and Dakota punches Gage right after they leave Quick Trip, and they're headed down Gordon Road, and Gage actually gets knocked out. Gage was in a serious uh, car accident about a year or two before that. He was in intensive care for uh, 30 days, so he had a brain injury. Anyway, when Dakota hit him, he knocked him out, and he um, drifted off the road and went out into this field 100 feet. And uh, when they got 100 feet out into the field, Gage uh, woke up and realized that his brother hit him. They got out and had a, a very bloody fight. Um, at that spot out in the field is where uh, Dakota lost his wallet out there. And so then they tried to get out of the field to go home once they got finished fighting, and they realized that the fence line went all the way down. It was like a small pasture. So there's a fence line that goes all the way down uh, the side of this, this pasture. And so the only way they were going to be able to get out was to go back where they ran off the road and go back through the hole there um, where there was a hole where they drove off the road. So they drove back, got out of that, went home, got home, and their mother heard them when they drove in, and she was very upset because they they were supposed to be at home. She didn't know they had left. Anyway, um, they got – they – were talking to their mom. She was very upset with them. A couple of hours later, um, oh, their aunt was there too. I'm sorry. Their aunt was at the house. She, she spoke to them. Their uncle was there. He spoke to both of them. Um, so anyway, to kind of shorten this down, they um, they talked for a few hours. The next morning was a Friday morning. It was a work day, and their mom had a company uh, com- uh Convention. Convention. I want to say conviction. Yeah. A convention. Yeah. A convention. The next morning we had people flying in from all over the country. So she didn't want to go back to bed and she said, I'm out of cigarettes. Let's go to Quick Trip. We'll look at the fence where you guys drove off the road. See how bad it is. When I was looking for his headlight. And um, he had lost his headlight at that point there when he drove off the road. So they were going to go back. As they drove by this spot, Annette glanced in her rear. No, Dakota said, Mom, I think there's somebody there. Well, Dakota pointed. He goes, hey, Mom, that's where we went through the fence right there. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, I think somebody's there. And we both were like, yeah. And I said, well, maybe it's the owner, you know, looking at the fence, checking it out. You know, we'll come back by. And as I drove further, I just looked in my rearview mirror, and I will never get the vision out of my head, but I saw grass in that person's hair and I just thought that to be odd and every bit of me just said turn around I was like do you think we should turn around he was like yeah 
So we turn around, not not far down, then the next business, which I think was a church. Church. Mm -hmm. Yes, we turned around right there. We came back, and so we're traveling the opposite side of the road of where the wreck happened. And we looked over, and that's when we realized that it was someone that was hurt. Um, And so we went down this, because, again, it's a heavy-traveled road. You can't just kind of, like, pull over. So we went down to the stop sign, turned around, and came back. The, the original direction we were traveling and stopped the truck in front of her. Um, and that's when Dakota and I got out. And, yeah. So they got out and they found, um, they, they only found one female there on the side of the road, and that was um, the one that survived. And so they uh, told Gage, call 911. And so Gage calls. And let me just back up a little bit here, too. They, they, their home was about eight minutes from the location of the accident, okay? They were only eight They only lived eight minutes away. So um, it took them about eight minutes to get back to the accident scene. But this was a couple hours later that morning. And they were calling 911 immediately, and all of that is in evidence, that they, there was no hesitation. They, they weren't there, you know, for 10, 15 minutes gathering up evidence and all that. As soon as they found the injured female, they called 911, and all of that is in evidence. Um, and in the way that they know that, there's a video. There was a um, JR's horse ranch across the street from my daughter's house, and they had surveillance cameras. So they were able to get those surveillance cameras, and they knew exactly when the boys left the first time, when they went home, and then when they, they left to go back to quick chip with their mom. So that is all in evidence in black and white. There's no questioning that whatsoever. It's not our word. It's And everything that we tell you and everything that we share on the straw is part of evidence. It's nothing that we yes, have so just. You, let's tell the people the yeah. name of your, of your yeah. okay, so why don't you do that? So, um, yeah. It's, it's called The Straw That Broke. And if you go there, you will see photos, uh, photographs of the accident scene. You will see uh, DNA evidence. You will see uh, videos. You will see a video of the officer stating that there was more than one vehicle. We're going to share that with you here in a little bit. Different tires. Um, Not like it was one vehicle once and then again, but different vehicles too. Yeah. Right? Different vehicles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he clearly says and that in the video that we're going to share with you tonight. Well, so, sorry. And then, you know, one thing that I always like people to know is that, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, where was all of this? Where was all of this evidence? Well, this, all of this evidence that we share on our page is from the discovery that the state had in their hands the entire time. Um, okay. The so, evidence is what it is. Exculpatory. So we didn't add anything new. This is everything. They had all of this before, but not us, not the defense. Yeah, we did not. The defense did not have and it. We'll, and we'll, we'll, get into that. We'll, get, we'll get into that further. So let's, let's do a so, quick uh, fast forward with okay. um, what, not the, the, all the details of how it happened and what, they went wrong, what went wrong yet because we know things are really turning around now. But let's do a quick fast forward uh, and just know, listeners, if you don't already know this case, you're going to learn. And I genuinely believe this case is going to be known nationally as as it should, uh, sadly many others, but to impact 
change. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and this is just it's the, the good things that are going. They're not able to share everything. Um, I know why. Um, but but uh, it all will be shared at when it is in the best interest. But the point is yeah. it looks like they are headed for uh, a new trial, been denied, you know, over and again, you know, to be able to share other evidence, correct? Um, no, this, this will be our first opportunity. Uh, they've just come through the, appeal, through the appeals court. So this right. is the first opportunity that we will have to, um, to actually have a new trial and, and, tell, and show the evidence. So, yeah, forgi- forgive um, me. Yes, uh, you've been denied the ability to properly investigate, yeah. and, and yeah. the jury, therefore, did not see the no. things that they should no. have seen. You know, and there so, is malfeasance so, involved. Yes. So, so they, so they called nine one one, and I'm just going to wrap this up real quick. But they called nine one one to get help for these young ladies. Then um, they found they the officers came. Uh, they found Dakota's wallet out in the field. Now, mind you, this is a hundred yards away from where this accident scene happened, where they found his wallet. But when they found the wallet then they're like, okay, well, these guys were here. And so they called them back and they're like, yes, we, we had an accident here. And within an hour, they had arrested them and charged them with that crime. Um, that's, so they didn't do any investigation. They just said, okay, so you, you had a wreck here. These young females were found here. You did it. When they didn't know any better because they didn't see anybody and they told them, they said, we never saw any females here. We never saw them when we ran off the road. We didn't see them when we left. Um, how, how is that possible? If you watch Dakota's interrogation with the investigator, he says, why didn't we see them? Were they hiding in the ditch? Why, why didn't we see them? And the investigator says, no, they were hit in the road. So um, it was like, you know, this is just crazy. Well, so then they charged them. We hired attorneys for them. Um, the, the, the county charged them with, or the state charged them with second-degree murder, and we were shocked at that charge. But anyway, no, at that time, uh, we hired a hired attorney. You didn't know whether they did it or not, did you? No, we didn't. And they didn't. We know. didn't. And they didn't, we didn't know, know either. I mean, you run off the road in the middle of the night in the dark and somebody says, well, guess what? You know, you hit people when you ran off the road. You don't know any different, but you knew that the charge was too severe. And that's why they, their attorney said they need to plead not guilty because the charge was just too severe. And, but they didn't know that, that, that they weren't voluntary manslaughter. It wasn't, if they, even if, if they did it, whoever actually did it, Right. right to believe and that's what we've that it always wasn't said. somebody purposely going to, you know, to run them off the road and kill them. You know, I mean, it's right. a horrible thing. It's a, it's a tragedy. It is. And I know it that is a tragedy. your family, the boys, and everybody mourns for the loss of this one, one young lady and as well for the, you know, the horrific um, condition that the other was left in. We, we know that. Nobody disputes that. Right. Nobody makes uh, less of the fact that a tragedy occurred. No. 
Oh, terrible, terrible. We've lost, you know, we lost an 18-year-old in our, our own family just a few years before that happened. So we know the, uh, the heartache and that, and, you know, it's just, it's just horrible. And our hearts just went out to that family. Just, uh, you know, Dakota even visited her gravesite. I mean, he, the, these boys really suffered with the um, guilt of, of what do we do? You know, what, what There's is. no way you can make it right. There's no way you can change a situation like that and go back and make it right. Um, but they were ordered not to contact the family. Um, all three of them not were ordered not to make any statements, not to contact the family, not do anything. So right, because you we went along your daughter, with- your daughter wound up, you know, uh, dealing with the repercussions of this too, right? You're in the background there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yep. And uh, I, and I'm so, looking forward to having you, you know, you want a separate show talking about, you know, uh, the other things that, um, that um, your, your mom shared with me, Kathy shared with me earlier today. Yeah. And, but you did um, suffer the conse- consequences um, trying to protect your sons and you spent some time in prison as a result of that. Right. Correct? Well, and the thing, Yes. I mean, I, I wasn't trying to protect them necessarily. I just um, was charged along with them wrongfully um, because if you look at all of my charges, um, you'll see again in evidence that it shows that I didn't do any of those things. Um, you know, but I mean, as most people say to me, they, people tell me that all the time. Anytime I talk to somebody about the case, they'll say, oh, I would have done the same thing. And right. or... I would have probably done more. And right. and I'm like, but I don't know what that is because Because you didn't do anything that was wrong. Is that what you're saying? And I was yeah, the one that said, I think my boys could be involved. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did they charge you leaving the scene of the crime? or uh, They charged how me were with you char- accessory. They charged me with accessory to manslaughter or murder. I can't remember which one it was, but... Um, leaving the scene of a fatality accident, um, obstruction. There was like four of them, I think. Um, something an officer. When you didn't, yeah, anyway, several charges, and, and of right. course, sentenced me, and I went to prison as well. Right. So, so, okay. so there. So that two years goes by, they take the truck, and um, we try. Annette tries to get the truck back because it's got Dakota's personal belongings in it. And well, they, they took the truck the day of. Yeah, they took the truck the day of the accident, and uh, she called, um, and they said we have to hold the truck until the trial is going to be held as evidence, basically the murder weapon. So that made sense. I mean, you're thinking, okay, well, I guess this is how it works. We've never been through this before. You just assume when you're when you're getting answers from people that those answers are correct. Mm -hmm. And if I can tell anybody out there listening, do not assume that what you're being told is correct. Don't. uh, So, so they said you can't have the truck and pull after the trial. Second show, you know, that'll be a big part of our second show is, you you know, will be the things that we were discussing earlier today, Kathy, you know, um, qualified immunity and, and uh, a law that is actually uh, they uh, uh, what they use a rule that they use with that five day rule as far as when uh, they provide the defense yeah. with exculpatory evidence five day rule they yeah. could have it for two years 
but the defense years, and they did. has it for five. So we're going to have a lot more talk about that, um, about those two oh, things. So we days. both. Oh, it was 10 days, you said? It's ten, yeah, 10 days. But still, you know, yeah, still. that's a, such a short time to try to build any kind of a defense for yourself. Yeah, you can't you have can't an independent investigator go out there and, you know, normally. Right. Well, they destroyed the truck. And do the same level of investigating. That deny due process. Right. That, it be, it's unequal. It's unequal uh, use of power. It's unequal. Right. It is, the scales are not even. When they can have, they know a, a year or two earlier that this information is. Are you there? There, there are cases that need to be launched. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. no doubt about it. But with the even scales. And so the right. defense and innocence where it is should be allowed. You know, and even if not innocent, you know, public defenders and criminal attorneys are there to defend their clients, um, and it is their duty to do that. Um, right. And the best interest. So, you, you know, instead, often what we find is when there's a public defender in, involved, is sometimes you, you find, hey, look, the, the public defender, pardon me, the public defender, the judge, and the, the district attorney, they all get paid from the same place. They get right. each other on a regular basis. I'm sorry? Right. So We didn't have you know, public defenders. We, we I had three paid attorneys. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of that. But this happens so often. And sadly, mm-hmm. highly paid attorneys making false promises. Yeah. That, you know, so we'll get on to talking about your case. Right now, let's just share with our listeners what they were charged with, how long they've been in prison, and um, and a little bit of a time of uh, their likely, without telling the details, that would risk integrity potentially of the case. And then, okay, we'll do are you there? Yeah. I'm Tanya, here. you're fading in and out. Oh, no, not again. That happened to me earlier today. Normally does not happen here. Oh, Are you there? Okay. How, how are we doing now? Do, do you I want can me hear to you. go ahead and yes. keep going, keep going, Kathy? Okay, Marty, can you hear? Okay, can you okay. navigate this until, until I get this? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so they were arrested within just like an hour of the accident happening, happening, and were basically told, "You did this. You, you did this." And so we we had no idea otherwise. We really didn't. We were just fighting the the second degree murder charge, which we felt should have been um, you know vehicular manslaughter. Uh, so we were fighting that, and I know our attorneys asked for discovery at least twice uh, during that two year period of time. They never would turn it over. Um, we finally got discovery uh, just you know like a week or so before trial, but. 
you know and I know and any logical person knows there's no way that you can do any kind of investigation um, on a case like that especially. Um, so there, there's no time to really dig through those files and find anything. You're just kind of, you know, and the attorneys were simply trying to mitigate the charges from second-degree murder down uh, to something else. And they weren't looking for innocence. They really weren't looking at the evidence at that point. I think everybody was believing this investigator and believing the district attorney that they had done their homework, they had done their job. Um, so anyway, uh, unfortunately, the boys were found guilty. Um, they were sentenced to 25 years each. Neither one of them had ever been in trouble before. Uh, Gage hadn't even had so much as a uh, traffic ticket. But anyway, um, after they were sent to prison, I kept going back in my mind, like, number one, why was the eyewitness lying? Uh, why did she why did she say the boys looked her in the eye and left her to die? I mean, we knew that didn't happen, but then we realized that when they found her the next morning, she was remembering them talking to her, looking her in the eye, and then she may maybe felt like she was being left again, but they had actually called for help. So that kind of answered that question. Then the other question was um, what happened to the truck. So Annette tried to get the truck, and we found out the truck was gone. And in fact, the truck had been destroyed prior to preliminary hearing, so the truck had been destroyed for over two years, or, or right at two years, it had been gone. So then it was like, something's wrong. There's just, this, this just isn't sitting right. And so I asked one of the attorneys if we could have the discovery. And he said, sure, I'll put it on a, um, a drive for you, and you can come and get it. And so I got I it. I in prison. I got it, and I started looking through it. And, oh, my goodness, the first picture I saw of where Dakota and Gage drove off the road just made my blood boil. I'm like, and then you see the blood in the roadway, and you see where the girls were hit, where these young women were hit. You see where the shoes are beside the road. You see all of this evidence in front of you, and you look at where they drove off the road, and those, those dots don't connect at any point in time. They do not connect. And so then I said, there's and I kept looking, and we, we looked, and we found more, and we found more and more evidence. I called a private investigator. I asked him to look at the evidence. He looked at it, and in 20 minutes, he said, yes, I agree with you. This is not the vehicle. Um, and, and I want to say one more thing. When we looked at the autopsy photos, that was key because there's so much biological um, matter that unfortunately was on this uh, beautiful young woman and the other young female that was hit, she was busted right in her face, mouth, so all that biological matter, nothing was on that truck. Nothing was on the front, the bumper, the tires, the hood, the windshield. There was nothing on that truck. So we knew then that's the, this is the wrong car. This is, this is the wrong vehicle. Well, and I kept saying that actually okay. the day of the accident. I kept saying it had to be a freak coincidence. I saw that truck. There's no way. There's nothing There's nothing there. You know, I mean, I watch action. I, uh, you know, I know what kind of damage has been done to that truck. 
Can I ask how and old so, the boys were when this happened, and then how old were they when they finally went to prison? Gage was 19. He had just graduated from high school uh, two weeks before. Mm-hmm. Dakota was 21. He turned 21 in December before this happened, and they went to prison two years later. Um, so 21 and 23. 21 and 23, and now they are... 27 and 25. 27 and 25. Wow. So they've spent their they've spent their young adult years. It's been almost four years that they've been in prison. In prison um, over this this you know conviction that had the investigators looked at the evidence in front of them, it was all there. It was all there to prove that there was another car. Well. Everybody kept saying, oh, well, there's no way that there was another vehicle in that same spot at that same time. And I kept saying, well, there had to have been. Mm -hmm. Well, so once Annette got out of prison, she came home and began to help me go through the discovery. And we were just, you know, leaving no stone unturned, trying to get to the bottom of everything. So she runs across an audio of the officers at the scene admitting and saying there was another vehicle. And there's two sets of tire tracks, and they're different. Can you pull that up? Oh, Do yeah. you want us to play that for you? Yeah, if you can. Let's see what the quality is like. And am I coming through okay now? I actually shut off and, and reset and everything. So uh, am yep. I okay now? I can hear you okay. much better. Yes. Okay. She's let's bringing see, it up. Uh, we're gonna... You're good. Okay. Yeah. And you're you're testing that what you're sharing is of uh, is the authentic recording, correct? Yes, okay. yes. Everything that we share, um, we won't even share something if we're not sure that it's authentic. And it's, these are actually in I, I, I'm um, aware of discovery. That. In discovery, well vetted, but these are know, I'm just letting. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, ready? We're gonna play it. Can you turn that up at all? Okay, so Kathy, we really can't hear it from this end, but that is on your page, right? No, don't worry about yes. it. That's, that's fine. That's fine. It's, but, um, it's this on is page. on your page, and it's more audible. And it's much clearer. Page, I'm well, it just it has a lot of background noise because it's being recorded from his lapel mic into his car. But if you go to the page, and uh, we, we usually pin that to the top, you can hear it very, very clearly. Okay, perfect. And he, so listeners that are interested in hearing that, okay, and and the summary of uh, is the fact that this police officer said that he saw, you, you go ahead and, and repeat or just um, clarify what he said. Yes. He says that um, one officer says, do you think homicide? And he said, no, not homicide. I think um, 
vehicular manslaughter. Vehicular manslaughter at but best. at best. But 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 we still don't know. He said we've got what looks to be too many sets of tire tracks here and we've got different sets of tire tracks. And they say that there was only one truck in the field. And they say there was only one truck in the field, but we have too many tire tracks. And this one looks like it belongs to a Chevy Suburban. And this one looks like it belongs to a Chevy Chevy Suburban. And the boys, of course, drove a a Dodge Dakota. So when you listen to that, when you listen to that, that audio and you realize that they knew from day one that there was a possibility that there was another vehicle involved. Then when the evidence came back from OSBI that showed there was no blood or biological matter, no hair, no clothing fibers, no nothing on this truck, uh, they should have stopped right then and said, wait a minute, there's something wrong. Um, because when you look at these autopsy photos, there should be so much biological matter on whatever vehicle hits oh, young not, ladies. Yes. I've, I've seen them. Yeah, I know yes. that you don't like blare them out there, you know, because they're very. It's hard. It's hard. It's a horrible thing. What well, happened? Think, you know, one of my biggest things that I always point out, and I'll say it over and over again, and I say, and I even do a hashtag: one drop of blood on the back yeah. tail hitch of a head-on vehicular pedestrian accident. I mean, you just have to wrap your head around that and know that, I mean, one, we were naive. We didn't know. We just listened to our attorneys. We just listened to the VA. We listened to what they had. And we didn't know any better. We didn't know to look in further. We didn't know to ask questions. I mean, we we weren't career criminals, you know. We didn't even know to ask yeah, them. Yeah, and you didn't we just realize and told everything that, that we knew was they the would mislead the information and even perjure themselves, fraud upon the court. I'm going to interrupt this for a minute. Yes. Fraud upon the court. Okay. Not an error. Not like, oh, my gosh, you know, and then fix it. Okay. So qualified immunity has its time and place. But the fact Mm -hmm. that these young men were charged the way they were, at first, at first, when you really didn't even know, but it certainly was an accident, you know, um, the way they were. But then it was with and by design that yeah. there were perjured statements mm-hmm. to the court, to yeah. the judge, perjured well, statements that yeah. let the certainly was a large grand part because there was like next to nothing as far as DNA and forensics, but how was the jury to know? Because they left it out. They weren't. They left it out. They were told, the jury was told that hair was found that was sent to OSBI. They didn't mention that this hair was a little tiny white straight hair. Both of these females had long, thick, dark hair. But they, what they did is they they painted a picture of, oh, we had hair in this, that we found on this truck. We had blood that we found on this truck. They didn't tell them that the blood was one tiny spot of blood back by the U-Haul trailer hitch. We know that was a tra- had to have been a transfer when they were getting out of the ditch, leaving. But you have a head-on, head-on, uh, and, and these girls, this was just the summertime. And- I've always said, too, now, these days, I say, but how do we know that that was actually DNA 
blood from the victim. We were never able to test it individually to know mm-hmm. that it wasn't That's just sent in after the fact. I'm just saying, well, one drop of blood. Yeah, listen, you know, we all know uh, people that follow this stuff in Oklahoma, we've got the, the Bob Macy, you know, the uh, uh, the the career criminal district attorney, and then uh, an investigator, Joyce Gilchrist, which are now passed and now yeah. known to be, to have likely put to death innocent people, but we know for sure there was there was rigging and there was tampering and all kinds of things on these cases um, that yeah. they were engaged in, notoriously known, okay, throughout the history of Oklahoma, and they, it's sad because the people that were harmed, they should be known, you, you know, they yeah. should be known, uh, people that lost their lives, uh, and, well, you know, the, now is not the time to explain to the audience why, how does it benefit anybody? Um, it does, if you haven't already been following and you don't already know, but it does. And and uh, and that you'll just have to uh, either take my word for it or not for now. Trust right. Us. It benefits. Right. Well, it benefits. Something, something that you said to me once when we were talking, um, you said, follow the lies. You know, follow the lies. And yes. it, there's no reason for an investigator uh, or a district attorney or a prosecutor to lie if they truly have the evidence that they need. You just lay the evidence out, the real evidence, not yelling. And if they can't this, find this. it, you don't go convict somebody else just to settle up the public and make yourself look great. You don't do that. Right. Well, and see, and that's where the media destroys everything because it's already out in the media. You can't tell me. I mean, personally, I want another legislative change that – any major crime that happens within a county, especially, you know, so close like our boys, you know, we're, we're a town, there's one, you know, a highway across from each other, should never be tried in that same county. Because it doesn't matter how many, how, how much you interview jurors, I guarantee you they saw it on the news. Mm-hmm. It was all over the news. We were one of the most highly profile cases that year on the news, yeah. in those two years. Yeah. Well, and, and, it was and, the, and then you have judges and DAs and, 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 and play, court clerks that have a vested or personal interest into the case. Yes. Well, um, they, and, and you, you know, when you said follow the lies to me that time, I was like, and so I started thinking about how many times people told lies during this this trial, and I went all the way back preliminary hearing I'm like they were lying from the very beginning they when they have preliminary hearing and the judge Croslin asked Matthew Ledbetter if he had gathered DNA evidence at the scene in in the form of blood um, DNA this and that he said yes and he said and then they asked him you know where is that evidence now and he said it's it's the OSBI lab uh, that he didn't have it back yet. He was ball faced lying in court. And you have proof of that. We have proof of everything that we say on here. We have proof in black and white. He received that report back September 24th, and that preliminary hearing did not start until October 31st. So he had had it over six weeks in his possession. He didn't say, well, I've received part of it back. He said he didn't. Re- he hadn't received any of it back, and 
So that first lie told us there was something wrong because he didn't want to turn the evidence over. And that first... If somebody's willing to lie, they have an agenda. They have a reason. And that first report, that first uh, OSBI report that was sent back showed there was nothing. There were no matches to uh, Miranda Talley or to, to either of the females. Then they sent for another um, swab. swab or a test in December of 20, was like a year later anyway. Yeah. And that one is the one that came back that said there was one drop of blood on the truck back by the U-Haul trailer hitch. So, um, and then... And that you know, has not been tested with your experts. No. Or by your experts. We didn't, Once again, you said... We ha- right. You have to keep in mind, we didn't get any discovery. We had none of this. It's all in the hands of the prosecutors. And this is why I believe there's so many wrongful convictions, because the prosecutor's job is to win a prosecution for the state. And so they had it in their hands for for two years. We didn't get it until uh, just like a week or so before trial. Like I said, by then, the, the attorneys weren't looking for evidence or innocence, they were simply trying to mitigate charges down. So yeah, the prosecutor's the, job isn't to just find somebody guilty. The prosecutor's right. job is to find the guilty party guilty and impose a fair sentence, you know, right. based on that. So, right. as, uh, if there, you know, again, lies are nothing but selfish and greedy and with an agenda, you know, yeah. unless you're throwing your mother a surprise birthday party, you just don't lie, <laughs> you know, Why? right, right, you know, or you, I'm saying, you know, there's always an agenda behind the lie, it might not be about murder, it might just be about something else, you, you know, but, well, but when it comes to the life and the freedom and whoever is brought to justice for a, a horrific accident that somebody's responsible for, you know, uh, unless it was on purpose that should have been, you know, uh, manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter. Right, right. No lie. It, has it, it was just. It was lie. just. Un- no lie. Yeah. It was unbelievable the way they were treating these guys like they had, you know, specifically ran over them on purpose. And it was just unbelievable. But for a officer of the law to commit perjury is just, you know, you just can't hardly wrap your head around it. But we have it in black and white. He not only did that. He told the defense attorneys that he did not have the crime scene mapping. This is five months after the accident. He is sitting on the stand telling them that he doesn't have the crime scene mapping finished. And it's like, you're, you guys, you know, how, why? Why would you not be able to complete this crime scene mapping in just a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks? Well, it's because he had evidence in his possession that proved that the truck was not the right truck, was not the right vehicle. And that evidence, if you look at his photos, which are posted on our page, each photo has a number. 
That's drop and up then broke, if you listeners, would, that's drop yeah. up broke. That's a Facebook page. You've got to go to it. And the tribe of Yeah. There's there's one post on there. It says Crime Scene Mapping 101. Go search for that because that has got all of OHP Ledbetter's photos that he took at Can the you scene. Can you know who OHP is? What? I couldn't hear. Can you let our listeners know who OHP is just for their purposes? Yes. That OHP Matthew Ledbetter was the lead investigator on this murder uh, case. He's the one that gathered the information, he's the one that took the photos, him along with Officer Cruz, they both took photos. So he was in charge of, of deciding how this uh, accident occurred. And so if you look at that, go search for it, you will see many, many photos. You'll see photos of blood in the roadway. You're going to see photos of shoes. You're going to see photos um, of, of where the deceased was found and, and that sort of thing. If you look, and we pointed it out, when he created his crime scene mapping, he left off, he omitted and left off anything that would make you know that this was the wrong vehicle, like the blood in the roadway. He left that off. Now, you talk about something important, the blood in the roadway. Oh uh, gosh, he left yeah. that off. The he left that off the crime scene mapping. He left the location of the shoes off the crime scene mapping. The unidentified tire track, which went straight to the shoes and straight by uh, where the girls, where these females would have been hit, he left all of that off of there. And now, why, me, was that, why was only one body found at that time? Where Can you let our listeners know where the other body was? Yes, okay. So they say passed by, they thought they saw someone, Annette looked in the rearview mirror, she said, you know, I think there's somebody there, they turned around, they went back, they got out of the car, they found uh, a Miss Tally there, right on the side of the road, and they yelled and for Gage, all nine months. She's alive. She's talking to them, actually. And they yelled for Gage, call 911. Gage calls 911. The 911 uh, recording is on our page. And you can tell that Gage only thinks there's one person there. They're calling because they found one person. While Gage is on the phone with 911, Annette and Dakota saw another set of shoes. They saw the two tennis shoes and they saw flip-flops. And Annette asked uh, Miss Tally, was there someone with you? She said, I don't know, ask, ask Tanner. And um, so Annette said, oh, my God, Gage or Dakota, I think there might be somebody well, else I said, Dakota, here. Get out in that field and go check. There has to, there's somebody else out there. So, yeah, she's in shock because there was, at this point. I mean, yeah. Listen, there was the shoes two are off of the shoes. feet of these. Yeah. Right. There's two pairs of shoes, so Annette's like, there's got to be somebody else. So they, they walked across the fence into the field, and there was the young woman that was deceased. Then if you listen to the 911 tape, you can hear um, Gage saying he thinks there's, there's one female. Well, then Annette comes back. She takes the phone from Gage, and she lets them know that, no, there's actually two females. So, again, have yeah, they got them in that? You need to go to prison for that, right? I know, right? right? <laughs> then if I could call 911 and, and stay and render aid at the scene of an accident, but yet I went to prison for both of those. 
Right. So it it was uh, so that that's what happened there. Now, what what kind of based? I think some of, some of the problem. You know, we're going to take responsibility here because I think when they when Annette and Dakota and Gage were leaving, I mean that's where they drove off the road, right? And so in their minds, they're thinking, did we did we hit these females? Did we do this? And yeah. on the way home, Annette says, I don't even remember the drive home. Honestly, I don't. I don't remember the drive home from. I remember pulling into Quitcher Coda going in, and I do not remember any conversation wow. after that on the way home. To home. Well, I think you're probably in shock. I was thing. in shock. Well, and I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, you know, if I had to say anything, because immediately I got out into the truck and I was like, what? There's no way. And I actually told. And this is where things get mad when people are like, I'm sure she's lying, but I really am not lying. We even asked the polygraph test. But I told Dakota to move the truck around to face the road so that I could see the front of the truck. Because I was like, there's just no way, you know, there's just no way. And he gets scared, and he moves it out to the North 40 in the woods. So that really made it. So they were saying that I was accessory Mm -hmm. because we were trying to hide it. And so they, the officer okay. felt like, you know, they were hiding the truck, which he was. He was, he was scared. Yeah. He, he didn't know. He didn't know. But had the investigation been done properly and they hadn't omitted photographs, mm-hmm. and if the jury had known there was no biological evidence on the truck, um, and if the jury, if they'd cleared the room and showed the jury the autopsy photos, they would have known they had the wrong vehicle. And I'm glad she said and, that. And, Sorry. And, 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 that, and that, I mean, as far as the priors, their reputations in, in, in the community, you know, you're out in the country, mm-hmm. you, you know, more, a My lot of people know each point. other, right? But it's a well-traveled road. I mean, what was their reputation? Were, were they troublemakers? You know, brothers fight, mm-hmm. but they also love the heck out of each other too. Even when they, even when they do fight, right. people go through phases. Not all brothers fight, but most of them do. There's competition. There's, you know, so okay, nobody denies that. You know, that there was that happening. But as far as any kind of criminal acts, anything they've been charged with, no. addicted with, no. no. Okay, so these no. kids are pro like the- guys. The principal of the of the high school wrote a letter uh, for Gage and said what a wonderful young man he was and and that you know he just um, people were just in shock. But but I'm going to tell you I I never knew how vicious how vicious people could be not just to the people that they think Mm -hmm. did this but to the families of the people that did this in 2015 anyone who supported them anyone anybody and and they they went after my business and Mm -hmm. they and they were successful at pretty much destroying our our family business that we had they would uh, contact our customers we had a business where we had customers all over the United States and also in Canada they I remember took the time running a business. Yeah, uh-huh. they took the time. Wasn't it a hardware store or something like? Or what was the business it again? Was a, it, it was a paint company. It was a paint that we had actually, uh, we actually developed it, designed it, marketed it, um, and it was all over the country. And it was in Canada. And they would literally take the time to call each retailer individually and tell them 
that our family had been involved in this. That we were murderers. That we were murderers and that we, that our families, you know, were, were raising money to help Dakota and Gage get out of this. And it was just unbelievable. I, we lost our Canadian account. We lost for, um, you, you know, just drunk conclusions, but they're afraid of losing customers. That's what happened. Yes, they're afraid of, of losing customers by supporting, yes. you know, your business. Uh, that's crazy. So, that's, you see how things so, go so wrong, you know, it, and, they and, are. and it comes from, you know, uh, from surgery. This is what happens, uh, you know. It and, is. And why, uh, you know, and the prob- big problem here is that um, that anybody who purchases to the court, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it is, a private attorney, whether it's an investigator, whether it's a district attorney, any kind of witnesses, he needs to be treated swiftly, fairly, in the same manner that you and I would be treated. There should be no right. benefit of the doubt. And this is where, it, when you really do, when you pay attention to due process and our Constitution, this Qualified immunity is not about corruption. It's about Mm-mm. protecting errors and mistakes that God so willing can be corrected. You know, if somebody hasn't already been, you know, sent to death or, you know, put to death or, you know, how many there's or how many more years until they're finally freed because, you know, and then it's learned that it was an error. Okay. But anybody who does this on purpose or anybody who turns their back to it is guilty and does not qualify for qualified immunity. I'm sorry. And I'll fight that every single day. I agree. And this is where amendments need to be made. To clarify yeah. that. Yes. Well, I think that 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 the, the just you know the normal Joe citizen has no. We we never expected that there was corruption and and conspiracy type things going on. I mean, we we had really no reason to dig into the file and to think that something was amiss. I mean, we really Dakota engaged. You know, they 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 were convinced that. They convinced them that they did it. They they were taking you know responsibility. They just knew that the charge was just horrible charge, and that was um, it, it it took a long time for me to convince people to look at the evidence that they that they didn't do it. I mean, even they when I would go visit them in prison, I was like, you don't understand. You you really weren't responsible for this. You weren't responsible, and and they wouldn't believe me. And I said. When you see the evidence with your own eyes, you're going to be shocked. And so my, my daughter was in prison, and I was telling her, I said, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. She didn't believe me. She, yeah. was, she was like, Mom, I know you want to believe they're innocent, but, you know, I, 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 I just don't see that it could have happened any other way. And I said, well, let me tell you, it did happen another way because I've got the evidence in front of me, and I'm looking at it. And I started posting it on the straw, and people were contacting us like, I can't believe this. You can see easily with your own two eyes. So you're telling me that these investigators couldn't see it? They saw it. They saw it. They They knew. 
<clears throat> you know, the reality, too, is that you've got two good young men and two good young ladies that were involved in a horrific accident, whether that was combined or it was joined or not, and it hit the media, and all Matt Ballard wanted was a big W, was a win, and he was going to get that at any cost. Okay, so two questions. Two questions. One is, I might have missed it while I turned off my phone and restarted it again. Did you let our listeners know uh, about the um, the truck being dis- destroyed and why it was destroyed? Yes, we did. Okay. Uh, the truck the truck was uh, sent to Green Country Towing. And they took the tires off of the truck. They took all of the fishing and camping equipment out of the truck. And they sent the truck to the scrapyard and had it crushed and destroyed. And if you read on our page the OHP tow report or impound, it gives the truck an approximate value of $5,000. It describes the truck as light damage and functionable. So why would anyone crush a truck that has light damage and is functionable? It, mm-hmm. it should go to auction. Only one re- huh? Right. It should go to auction. It should have been released to the owner. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, true. But you know how they have police auctions and if, the, and if you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But, but um, yeah, but so, no, he was told to get rid of it. Well, you know, and you they got told- that motor. The motor is in good condition. That transmission, that windshield, every part of that truck. The truck. And and the defense did not have that time and opportunity, right? They weren't given no. that opportunity to have that inspected, no. correct? And right. that's the crime. Another they, one. They, right. And and the reason they didn't, again, you know, the the investigators, um, they just had basically said it was a slam dunk case. I mean, here, you know, these guys drove off the road, and then this is where the females were, so they did it. It was being at the right time, at the right place, and that is what they built their case on and not on any physical evidence whatsoever none there was no physical evidence the the law is you know and rightfully so it is beyond for criminal court beyond a reasonable doubt beyond a reasonable doubt right beyond a reasonable doubt and And then you know for civil it has a different standard you know uh right but for for criminal yes there are cases that are decided on with solely circumstantial evidence that uh, maybe some should, maybe some shouldn't, but when other evidence is left out, right, when, and there's, you know, not a good reason for it to be left out, then we're going down the wrong path here. We're on a, a slippery slope and nobody's accountable for it. Now, where is it? that the judge went wrong in this case because I do know the judge certainly um, was not so interested in upholding your constitutional rights. 
Can you let us know why? Right. He he was actually part. He was he was a big player in this wrongful conviction. People that were there in the courtroom. This this trial lasted for a week, and people that were there every day during that trial would say, "I have never seen anything like this judge before ever." And and I've you know been on jury duty. I've been in. Would you like? You know, I've sat on trials. He would roll his eyes. He would shout shout. Yell at the defense attorneys. He was intimidating the defense attorneys almost just to keep them quiet. And he, um, you, you can read on our page the intent to appeal that was written by Jeff Price, which was Gage's attorney, r- spells it out how bad that trial was handled and how poorly that judge did presiding over that case and how um, poorly the uh, district attorney did as a prosecutor and how they withheld evidence and they brought in evidence that they weren't even (laughs) legally supposed to bring in that the defense didn't know anything about. It was just a a circus. So when they denied every evidence, that is a clear violation of due process. When the uh, defense is not provided with the same opportunity to uh, to I- investigate, to either uh, val- to validate and verify whether something's true or not, or to counter what they are coming up with. It gives them no opportunity whatsoever. And the jury doesn't know that because the jury doesn't know that. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you can't unhear what you've heard. You cannot unhear if you're sitting on a jury and the judge is, is just letting the prosecutors run amok. You, you can't, you know, and the OHP, this really bothered me too. Now, people tell me it's not illegal. Okay, maybe it's not illegal, but it certainly seems unethical. The OHP, Matthew Ledbetter, who is supposed to be the investigator who is supposed to be uh, unbiased, correct? You're there. Yeah. You're, you're collecting. The supposed to be. Yeah, you're collecting evidence. You're 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 looking at DNA evidence. You're you're supposed to be unbiased as an investigator. He sat at the table with the prosecutor during the trial, which created an immediate illusion of guilt to the jury, in my opinion. I mean, I, I just thought that was wrong. I, I think that somebody that's going to testify at a hearing and give their uh, expert opinion shouldn't right. be sitting, right? Yeah, oh, no, correct. So, yeah, so they're influencing the, um, per, the, the, the perception to the jury. It yes. is, you know, the influence is for the benefit of, you know, to the benefit of the prosecutor. And a judge rolling his eyes, um, you know, if if he's scolding somebody for something, that's one thing. Like, holy, how can, why are you doing that? This is your last chance, you know. But if the judge is rolling his or her eyes uh, when a, um, whether it's the prosecutor or the defense attorney, then the judge is he's violating the canon of neutrality, of being neutral. 
neutrality. Yeah. However the heck you say that. I'm not, my tongue isn't like, the words aren't falling off my tongue that well tonight. But that's violating canons, okay? There needs to be no appearance. In Oklahoma, it even says appearance. This is one good in place, okay, that I do right. agree with. There needs to be no appearance of violence, of of. Uh, of of a, a violation or of a or of a conflict of interest or uh, or your you know own personal thoughts about who's guilty what? and who's not prior to a trial. You know you're supposed to preside over the trial to see to it the due process is taking place in the court, not to assert oneself. And side with with uh, you know uh, with something that just falls in line with what the prosecution wanted and their own malfeasance. So I think yeah. you know when you hear the judge asking these questions to me, uh, this might be accurate or it might not, but to me it appears that the judge is covering his butt. By asking, yep. have you received this? Have you, he already knew the answers to this stuff, but he's covering him his butt by asking, and he knows he's going to accept whatever is said. Listen, I've heard too many times of people that have you know overheard um, at, at a diner in front of certain district courts. You know, not all of them, but there's a couple of them that I'm very well aware of uh, where where the prosecutor and and the defense attorney or the public defender sits there and they decide what what and where and how the cases are going to go that day. Yes, that's corruption. Yes, that is corruption. Those are ex parte meetings that are not qualified, that they are, you can have an ex parte meeting if, you know, if you need to, a restraining order and somebody's alleging that, you know, if this isn't given, I'm going to, he's going to murder me or whatever. That's an ex parte meeting. You can have that quickly and an, and a, and an ex parte order uh, meeting with a judge can take place. And that person is supposed to be uh, protected, you know, with that, uh, with that protection order, but you do not plan, conspire and predetermine a case. Right. And I'm sorry, I get, you know, I'm passionate about this. You know why. My listeners know why. Most of them. And and you know something? This is not the fluke. That's the thing. We talked about this earlier. Yeah. Is this a fluke, Annette? Is this a fluke, Kathy? You might have thought you were the only ones that this, that this happened to. But, boy, was there a quick reality check when you learned that you're not the only one. That can be comforting in a way, but boy, does that ever destroy the confidence in the justice or the injustice system. We should be able to trust the system to work in coordination, in in line with truth, honor, uh, access to justice, fairness. That's what we need to and should be able to expect from all well, that, that come it, forward and, and it kills it it destroys the public trust where there are times when it shouldn't be destroyed 
go ahead. It's it's been done. It, well, for, for me, like I said, I'm hoping that someone listening will consider writing a bill to change this 10-day that the uh, prosecution has to turn over physical evidence to the defense attorneys. There's no no wonder no wonder Oklahoma has so many wrongful convictions. Um, if you if if you don't have enough time to have an expert look at your case or look at a, a vehicle that supposedly was involved in a hit a head-on pedestrian accident, you don't have time to have someone look at the DNA evidence. Um, or, or look at the photos of the accident scene and, and look at the location of the, you don't have time to do that. You cannot defend yourself. So you have no defense. You have There's no equity in your time to prepare the defense as the, no. as the prosecution has. Exactly. There's no equity there. And, and this is the thing, you know, I mean, it might be what Oklahoma says, but that's not what our due process and our Bill of Rights says, so guess what comes, What again, that's in violation of our constitutional rights. Our courts need to act in concert with the Constitution, okay? Yeah. And there are so many violations. Oklahoma, for crying out loud, in their Constitution, their own state Constitution, again, it should be null and void, and this needs to be changed. We've talked about it. I know you and I first met at the rally a few years ago that I put on with Tina Gertz. You know, we talked about yeah. this. This was something I'm so passionate about is, is that if, you know, they are in violation. Their own constitution is in violation. I'm sure there are people that are in public service that do work in concert with the constitution that are tremendously upset at the fact that the Bar Association in Oklahoma has become an arm of the Supreme Court. Well, I got news for, for them. That is a violation. It is a conflict of interest. If they're an arm with the Supreme Court, uh, the Bar Association is a private entity. It is a private entity. It is a private entity. And they claim on the face. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think, you know, just like what you're saying is so true. But I think people have just, they've lost hope. They've lost hope that anything's ever going to change or that they're ever going to be able to get their get the truth out and they just start accepting these plea deals and start accepting these things that that they just feel like things are out of control their attorneys not call them back that's another problem plea deals that they're scared to death that they're told that they'll go to death row or they'll spend the rest of their life in prison if they do not accept this plea deal when in fact yep. that's not true and then it's not true. So they're not, it's, it's, there's so many reasons that there, that people have lost trust in the system. And it's only those that act in malfeasance that are causing that problem, not the ones that don't. But you also can't turn your back on it. So as we've talked about, um, these are the things that we need to work with those yeah. to do the right thing, that are in those positions to help. Because there's too many groups out there that just shout general statements. They're either all yeah. they're all this, they're all that. You cannot give up. And this show 
and and uh, we shared with you all why you should not give up hope, hope, and what's no, going right right now with this case uh, that we're going to continue next Sunday. Is that okay with you? Yes, yes, we we appreciate it so much. Uh, part two next next Sunday. Okay, part two next Sunday, same time, same place, better reception. We'll we'll continue this discussion. We'll let you know what's going right. They'll let you know why it's going right, what they can let you know, and uh, and we'll talk more about qualified immunity and po- and policy change that acts in concert with due process um, for the you know for what's written that isn't you know versus what's written that isn't. Um, I I just I know we need to close out in just a couple minutes. I just need to ask our listeners that are well aware of and following the case with uh, Daryl Wiggins. Tune in for just a moment more. But I want to thank you, Annette, and I want to thank you, Kathy, for the warriors that you are for standing up for what I believe will uh, will prove to be a precedent in Oklahoma and hopefully across the country. Can't tell you why quite yet, but dear Lord, you're going to love it if you love justice. So thank you both, <laughs> and we'll talk with you next week. Thank Follow you. Follow the Strong Broke Facebook page. Follow the Strong Broke Facebook page. Listeners, um, I want to spend a little bit more time, but I'm just going to ask you, uh, those that are following the Daryl Wiggins case, uh, that he was overly charged overly charged he deserved to be charged but he was overly charged and uh and similar to the the charge that your your uh, grandsons and your sons were charged with overly charged okay uh made a huge huge difference in the sentencing this man has been nothing but a model prisoner he's gone through quadruple bypass surgery he has helped others saved lives of others through helping them mentoring them and uh, and and seeing to that it they did not repeat their crimes and wind up being a career criminal in prison and he's so good that they probably just want to keep him there forever but he does not belong there he has been up for pardon and parole six times seven times finally been following through with this case following through following through you know getting the word out sharing the story asking for support finally made it to the first (laughs) phase of parole see my page and you'll get the information and see what you can do. Thank you so much. Good night and God bless. I'm Tony Hoffman. Good night.